This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Thanks for tuning in. Last time we began a new series on the book of Thessalonians, and we did a brief overview, and I encourage you to listen to that for some more historical background and context uh, for the first Thessalonian letter. letter. Uh, I'm just going to briefly go over some of that again before we actually get into uh, looking at the opening chapter of First Thessalonians today. So if you'll remember, Christians in Thessalonica first heard the gospel from Paul uh, when he spent three weeks preaching in the synagogue. If you read in Acts chapter 17, verse 3, he comes to Thessalonica, finds the synagogue, and Luke says he's explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. And there were some who believed the gospel and obeyed, but not all of them. And things went from bad to worse. If you remember, not only were they just disagreeable, but then they became outright hostile, as was the case where Paul went most of the time. Uh, his fellow Jews would turn on him. Verse 5 says they became jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason. And remember, it, they dragged Jason before civil courts and he's forced to pay money. And Paul and Silas shortly thereafter decide to leave in verse 10 at night. Um, and this persecution uh, continued. Um, but as we read the Thessalonian letter, what we find is the, these Christians, this church in Thessalonica, uh, continued in the faith and were still sacrificing and were evangelistic and they were joyful in, in all of these things. And Paul wanted desperately to return to, to them. And there seems to be some concern on their part um, as to why that wasn't the case. So he left. And he's going on to preach in Berea and in other places later in Acts chapter 17. But um, he mentions in chapter 2 of verse 17 of 1 Thessalonians <clears throat> that he his desire for them and his desire to come back. But he's been he's been prevented. Um, and we don't know if he was able, able to, to do so ever uh, again in, in his life. Uh, but, but what we can know is that he sent his co-worker Timothy to establish these Christians and exhort them is what he says. And first Thessalonians three, two, he, he mentions that he says, well, I, I couldn't stand any longer. I had to send Timothy to see how you were doing and specifically to establish and exhort them. So Timothy goes and spends some time with the brethren in Thessalonica. And I'm sure there's, there was much teaching and preaching going on and working with that, that group. And then he comes back to Paul with good news uh, about the Thessalonians, that they continued in faith and love, chapter 3 and verse 6. Uh, but Timothy also apparently brings some news of issues, uh, some things that needed to be addressed within the Thessalonian church. And then so all of that to say, th that series of events prompts the writing of what we know as First Thessalonians. So um, let's begin looking deeper inside this, this letter now over the next few weeks. So Paul begins in chapter 1 with a prayer in verses 2 and 3. He says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so as you continue to read uh, chapter 1, you'll notice that everything else Paul says after this point, after verses 2 and 3, relates some way to that prayer that he just made in those verses. Uh, So verses 4 and 5, he commends their full conviction or their faith, we might say, in, in the Word. And this is precisely what he has been praying for. He commends their love for lost souls in verses 6 through 8. And he commends their steadfastness in waiting for Jesus' return in verses 9 and 10. So everything else he says succeeding in, in, in the chapter from these verses point back to his desire and, and the prayer that he makes in verses 2 and 3. And so all of these things they were doing, being steadfast and, and teaching others and loving one another and serving one another, all, they did this, remember, despite suffering severe persecution, right? These individuals who were coming after Paul and Silas, you know, they were really looking to hurt him. When they didn't find him, that's the reason they brought Jason. They targeted him. Uh, apparently, the the apostles probably had been staying with him, or maybe they just knew that he was associated, that he, that he was a Christian, and so that's why they drag him uh, before magistrates. And so these, these Christians uh, become examples worthy of imitation. And, and Paul, again, points, points out their efforts uh, have inspired brothers, or Christians, around the ancient, ancient world. Uh, so return to the prayer for just a moment in verses 2 and 3. Um, what do you notice about the three things for which Paul says he is thankful Right, so there's there's three things that he names. He says the work of faith, the labor of love, and the steadfastness of hope. And one of the things that strikes me about those three things is that none of them are passive. And, and that includes the last the last thing, steadfastness of hope. In contrary to what I think the world can sometimes believe with regard to faith, love, and hope, they're not things that happen to you, but they're things that you actually choose. They're, they're observable qualities seen in the day-to-day life of, of a Christian who is eagerly expecting Jesus's return. And these qualities, they're directly related to also the reception of the Word, word of God. Uh, notice in verses Five and six, again in chapters two, two thirteen, right? He he commends those Christians uh, for receiving the word of God. Right? He says, "When we came to you and we preached to you, uh, you received our word not as the word of men, but for what it really is—the word of God um, that performs its work in you who who believe." All right. So because of this response, they were they were changed people, right? And this is the only acceptable response to. Bible teaching, and that's sincere, continued obedience. And that's what he is thankful for, uh, and that's what he's exhorting them to uh, to do continually. Uh, he, faith, hope, and love stand or fall together in Scripture. Right? We hear them together many times. And then the only place that Paul lumps them together, right? Famously in 1 Corinthians 13, he, he does as well. Um, of these, faith, hope, and love, uh, the greatest of these is, is love. And so there's this relationship between all these things, and they all tie into one's reception of the Word of God, right? It brings faith into one's heart uh, as he responds to it honestly, 
Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, but it also engenders uh, love in us and, and hope uh, because of who we learn um, is, is our Savior, right? His love, we love because he first loved us and we loved us and we learn of his love through revelation, through his, his word that he's preserved for us. Uh, and so <clears throat> as these things work together, faith and love and, and, and hope, uh, we, we look to Christ knowing that he's going to be true to his word. Uh, that's why these qualities are real and tangible and observable uh, because uh, they become a reality in our lives as we understand the God that we serve is a God of his word. and He's going to be true to his promises of forgiveness and heaven and comfort and peace and strength and all the blessings that are found in, in Christ. And so the way Jesus explained it was, was this way uh, in Matthew 10, 42. He says, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, truly I tell you, he will never lose his reward. And so what Jesus is telling us is that what you do matters to him. Even things that the world might say that, well, that's no big deal. You're just, you're, well, you're giving a cup of cold water. That's not a massive megachurch human project, uh, you, you know, uh, gospel blimp kind of effort, you know, handing out pamphlet or anything like that. Jesus is saying this you give some some you do something for one of these little ones because they're a disciple, you're not gonna lose your reward. And so you see what's happening. Jesus says, I'm paying attention. And so he knows if you are truly loving and serving uh his people, serving your brethren, especially those who are overlooked and forgotten. And your reward, your reward is directly related to that. Isn't that what he's saying? You will not lose your reward, and so in so far as and so long as you as you do this, and so you see how trusting obedience and love for others and clinging to hope, um, it, it's they're all connected to this anticipation of eternal life in Him as we're looking toward toward heaven, right? So I can be confidence and have confidence. Um, and, and should have confidence insofar as I'm I'm obedient to him. And that's not to say that I'm putting faith in uh, my, my work. No, it's my, my faith is in him. And that's the reason that I'm doing these things, because I know he's going to be true to his word for reward and for punishment. And so this isn't the only place that this teaching appears uh, you'll notice it happens many times in the New Testament in Paul's writings. Uh, let me give you another example from Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. So remember the Hebrews there, we're, we're departing Thessalonians for a moment because I want to—I really want to drive home this point. Um, remember Hebrews, they were backsliding and, and due to persecution, so they were responding in the wrong way and were tempted to just return to Judaism and forget the faith altogether. And uh, But the Hebrew writer says, I'm convinced of better things concerning you, even though we're, we're writing in this way. And he says in verse 10, that God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you've shown for his name in serving the saints. Right. So again, these are work, love, faith. They're not just ideas, you know, that are 
abstract and lofty on the pages of Scripture and we just talk about them. No, these are things that God sees and that He's not willing to overlook if they're done in sincerity as we serve others. He says, as you still do, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope. Okay, show the same earnestness and and, and what? Well, the serving that they had done previously because of their, their faith and their love for Christ and for their brethren, which they had begun to shirk, right? But he's saying, before, when you were earnest, you you could cling to hope. You had the full assurance of hope. And, and he's saying, I'm, desire that, I'm desirous that you do that again. Show that same earnestness so that you can have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Okay. Same idea as Matthew 10, 42. Same as in 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, and 3. God is paying attention He will not overlook your work and your love that should be observable in the Christian's life. How specifically in serving the saints and serving others and teaching the truth. That's what the Thessalonians were doing. That's what the Hebrews had been doing, which they had begun to neglect. And they were doing this earnestly. They needed to return to doing it earnestly so that they would be full of hope. So you see the relationship between all these things, faith, hope, love, service. Um, They're not faith and patience, steadfastness. They're not passive. right? And the, the Holy Spirit is going out of His way, it seems like, to make that impression upon us. right? Don't be sluggish. That's the word that He uses. Um, be, be active. Right? This is the only way to receive God's promises. Those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And so these are the same points. Again, Paul's making in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. He's he's assuring them, right? Imagine yourself as a member of the church in Thessalonica. You're undergoing all this punishment and this persecution. And you might be thinking, is there an end in sight here? What is going on? I'm doing my best here. Um you you might begin to to wonder am i on the right path uh, but notice how paul assures them as he's pointing back to their time together when he was with with them in verses 5 and 6 he says our gospel did not come to you in word only but also in power and the holy spirit and with full conviction and you also became imitators of us and of the lord having received the word during great affliction with the joy of the holy spirit uh, and so what he's saying here is don't let go of your conviction, don't let go of your joy. And they and they hadn't. And, and this is precisely why he's commending them. But he's also at the same time reminding them, just as we need that reminder. Um, and, and again, by the way, how was their conviction and joy stirred up? You know, we kind of have to read between the lines here. What We just ask, well, what is Paul doing in First Thessalonians? He's, he's writing Scripture to them. He's, he's delivering the inspired word of God to them. And so there's a twofold lesson here for us. Like, like Paul, first of all, we should be encouraging our brethren using the same means and stirring one, one another up with the word, reminding each other of God's promises and his character, the reason we have hope to begin with. Uh, now, we can't write letters, obviously, inspired by the Holy Spirit, uh, but we have them already. We, we still have 
the same Spirit-inspired words today. And so we use those. And that's not my idea. That's the apostles. That's if you jump forward to 1 Thessalonians 4, and that's exactly what Paul says in verses 17 and 18. Uh, encourage one another with these words. As he's in, in that context speaking specifically about the return of, of Christ and how those events will unfold, uh, which we'll discuss later. But, but here what we see is a church waiting faithfully, still needing that, that encouragement and exhortation, and that's how Paul begins um, this, this letter. You know, people of the book should act and sound like people of the book. And to the extent that we do, we, we bless one another. We build one another up. We encourage one another. We comfort one another, convict one another. And we also are blessed our, ourselves personally because we know that this is what our Lord desires. And, and, and this is the kind of uh, work which has become a naughty word in the religious world. But this is, notice how many times Paul uses it, though, in different ways, work and labor and steadfastness, etc. This is the kind of thing that he values, and this is what he says he will reward. All right, right, so we're not taking anything away from his sacrifice or his mercy or his grace by simply stating what he stated, and that is, if you give a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, you're not going to lose your reward. We're simply stating the relationship that that he makes between these two things. Uh, you know, as we as we start doing this and reminding ourselves of this truth, the, the word of the Lord is going to sound forth from us. We're going to be reminded of the the urgency of our task, and, and if we're honest and sincere will be an earnest people. And like the Thessalonians, our reputation will precede us. We'll become examples to believers everywhere. But you won't begin to make any progress until you set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's verses 9 and 10 of 1 Thessalonians. You, they were they were fixed on that hope, and things were bad, and they were afflicted, and things might have gotten worse, but they continued. They stayed the course um, because they had so much trust in the Word of God. Uh, they they know and knew that He would be true to His Word, and so they served the living and true God. They waited for His Son from heaven, who rescues us from the wrath to come. As Paul says there in verse ten, and that's another thing that we should note as we as we wind down here, um, and that we're going to see as we move forward in both First and Second Thessalonians is um, Paul's repeated um, mention of the return of Christ and connecting our hope to that and our and our motivation to to that. So he mentions it, <laughs> excuse me, a number of times because. There had been some uh, a false teaching with regard to the return of Christ. Some had apparently were teaching in the church that he had already returned, and Paul's going to deal with that. Um, so, that, so that's one reason he writes about it. But another is to uh, pr- prop up and encourage and remind us of the reason that we want to strive to be faithful and serve one another uh, and, and, and be found uh, good stewards 
of God's grace when he returns because he is, he is coming back and there's going to be a reckoning. So are you prepared for that? That's a question we all need to ask ourselves. Uh, what do I need to do to be right with God in, in my life? Well, we've seen a number of things here in First Thessalon- Thessalonians. If you go back to Acts chapter 17, when Paul first comes to preach there, and, and really all, all throughout the book of Acts as he moves around the ancient world, he sets forth the conditions that Jesus revealed in his gospel as to how one can be reconciled to God. And that is, of course, through faith in him that these Thessalonians had, um, believing he is who he says he is. And in response to that, turning away from sin, all the things that he defines as sin, and then being baptized for their mission of those sins, Acts 2.38. Peter, another apostle in that context, was asked the question, what what do we do? As he was telling people the good news about Jesus, they believed and they responded with, what what do we do now? And that, that was Peter's response to them in verse 38 was, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I hope that you'll make ready and uh, submit to the Master and find a group of his people to to serve and, and work with in this life as you look forward to his return. Appreciate you tuning in, and we'll see you next time.